0: So, Dan Clearer, welcome to The Journey. I'm glad to be here. So, just let me share a little bit about what The Journey is. The Journey is uh, essentially uh, an opportunity for us to have conversation about individuals who um, either throughout their life, maybe they've had some setbacks, and how did they persevere through those setbacks? Um, Maybe how did they um, recreate themselves from from where they were at to what they wanted to be, Um, or maybe circumstances may have... uh, uh, some kind of obstacle got in their way and, and now this obstacle became their teacher and through that what can they then share um, and what are they bringing back to, for others now and so uh, so welcome and I know we just recently got to meet yes. and uh, had an opportunity to see uh, uh, you in a upcoming uh, upcoming play for the Rockford area yesterday but uh-huh. but before we jump into all that um, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself like uh, what do you do for fun what do you what do you when you have an opportunity for fun what do you do
1: um well i i do like to travel i um a- as an actor i spend a lot of time trying to get the next job okay. um and because i don't have a steady gig i you know i'm constantly auditioning or networking with other professionals to um you know hopefully get into a company or you know work with the next person or find people i want to tell stories with sure. um and then when i don't have a job i utilize that time to do anything else <laughs> okay <laughs> so okay. Okay. if i can travel you know i go to new york a couple times a year okay. and uh i don't always even see shows i go out to visit friends or okay. i you know i'll go out and visit I have family in uh, the Seattle area, okay. and you know, go wherever my friends are, um, or adventure out in the world. <laughs>
0: okay. So now, where where are you from?
1: Where I'm from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I'm, okay. Yes, I'm from uh, Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, oh, okay. just west of Madison. Yep. Small town. Yep. I know exactly where it's. at. Yep. Yep. Um, they have a restaurant bar. The ugly is it the ugly troll. The grumpy troll. Grumpy troll. The yes. Grumpy yeah. troll. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I grew up there. I went to high school there, and then uh, I went up to Stevens Point for my undergrad. Okay. Um, so i I spent I spent my formative years in in Wisconsin. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> no, can't hear it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so you, uh, siblings. Uh, I have one younger sister. She's okay. the one out in Washington. Gotcha. Okay. At the moment. Yeah. Okay. And what did mom and dad do? What did... my mom was a hairstylist. Okay. She cut hair my entire life, basically. Um, and then some, and then my dad actually just retired this year as the general manager of the Mount Horb telephone company. Okay. And he worked his entire life in the telephone company. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's yep. an
0: interesting, you don't, you don't hear a lot of times today about individuals that- A lifelong career, exactly. right? Yeah. He started, Same company. Yeah. yeah, he started at 19
1: just out of high school, uh, digging ditches and putting in phone poles and- Kind of worked his way up, did some accounting, and has been on every board okay. there is to have in the telephone association. <laughs> okay, all right. And so that
0: was he's. I think he's very, very happy to be to sure. be finished. But that must be just a fascinating. Uh, for he must have such a fascinating perspective about what's going on with the telephone industry.
1: It, it is really interesting because I grew up with a dad who was always in an office, mm-hmm. right. And he was in meetings and, um, you know, he was working a lot, but he was always there for us. And I, I would go into the office and that was a whole nother world to mm-hmm. me. True. And honestly, in, in my, in my brain, I can't imagine being in an office setting. Cause that's, that's all I know of office setting is the telephone company. And being an actor is not that is like the opposite of that. Um, uh, but i grew up with that so i was very comfortable going into like his office and you know saying hi to all of his his employees and mm-hmm. uh and <laughs> and he uh i mean he's he was the youngest general manager i think in the company and they they only had several general managers since the telephone was invented mm-hmm. i mean really since the company was around um you know when you think about how how our history has gone over the last 200 years. I mean, really, Wisconsin was uh, made a state in 1848, and then, you know, the telephone came around after the turn of the century, and really it's only been 100 years, and he's been there for 40. So, I mean, there's not much room, but we've gone so far just in that small amount of time. So he's seen, like, the entire revolution of, you know, from... Regular, regular old dial tone, you know, and um, an operator-driven problem. And and now they don't even really do much telephone. I mean, it's really more. I think they actually officially changed the name to Mount Horb Telecom because they do cable and internet, pretty much more than anything. And people still have landlines. I mean, people will always have landlines,
0: offices, businesses, stuff
1: like that. But. Yeah, it's
0: it's a new brave new world. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think that has been um, in some companies adapted with those changes, mm-hmm. and and then uh, transformed themselves as the times have changed and technology changes. And then some refuse to. And, right. You know, uh, companies like Kodak and, and don't exist anymore because. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just heard this the other day that um, Kodak was one of the companies that first came up with the digital photography right but they they continue to invest in film and and the uh the portable film and that and they end up going you know filing for bankruptcy and right and and couldn't sustain which is
1: you know it's those those things like old telephones and you know uh being in a dark room and actually developing film is such a nostalgic um kind of coveted you know memory of ours and we we see it in film and television all the time and so it's still around and you know especially photographers love developing film and you know there's an art to that um and which i i truly think you can you can really find an art in all of your work and where wherever you are um and it's all very different so that i i always think that's you know that's the the idealistic kind of like, oh, I'm a photographer and I get to, you know, dip the, <laughs> the photographs and hang them up. And you see that in movies and TV all the time. Yeah,
0: and- sure. Yeah. <laughs> so how did well, what did your sister do out, out in Washington? Right? Uh,
1: she actually just graduated. She just passed her presentation and exams for uh, her grad program. Okay. Um, she has been out there working with I'm going to I'm going to screw this up. I know I am but it always goes over my head. She's the smart one. Um, <laughs> she works with plant DNA and researches, uh, you know, different varietals and uh, things with crossbreeding and researches diseases and, you know, how, how crops are affected. And um, okay. so I, uh, essentially, I think that's a government job. I think she actually gets paid, you know, she works for a, like a lab. Sure. And okay. then, you know, that's run by the government. But she works through a, a university. I see. So okay. she just finished her... She was also doing grad school on top of that. Okay. Um, and... I think it's a, a master's in science something. Sure, sure. Um, okay. I don't know what the exact title is, yeah. but we're very proud of her. Yes, I got
0: you. <laughs> and after hearing this, show, mind remind you of Christmas time, right? Yes, <laughs> so, of course, of course, yes. So, I know. So we could always have an addendum later on. So. Of course. So, we're very excited yeah,
1: to have her home for more than like two days because sure. she gets home usually like a couple
0: of days at Christmas and then is gone. <laughs> wow. That, uh, but it sounds like that in, in its own self would be a fascinating, some of the conversations that she'd be having about some of the work she's doing. Yeah, she's, she's,
1: doing. She's, she's in many ways the opposite of me. Okay. I'm very much an extrovert, okay. and she's very, she's quite calm and collected and mm. uh, a little more like my dad. I'm more like my mom okay. in some ways. Um, I mean, we have a lovely balance between the two of us, but <laughs> she's, she was like, I don't want to talk about work. <laughs>
0: Interesting. So how did you get into acting? When did that start, and why? why yeah. No. Uh, when and why uh,
1: <laughs> going way back I I mean anytime I had an opportunity in school um, from very young I mean I remember being at my grandma's house and like creating like a paper bag lion costume for the lion in the mouse um, in like kindergarten and you know there'd be like uh, there'd be a a judge and jury play you know scene that we had to do or anytime we had to do a project where um uh we got to act out something i was like on top of that and i was i was always very drawn to performance okay. and uh in many ways clowning if i if i look back at it i go oh i was clowning there that's that's what clowning is you know being in front of an audience and actually interacting with that audience and gauging what their response was the whole time. So that's clowning clowning clowns yeah. clown, a uh, traditional clowning. I mean, there's lots of different types of clowning, but traditional clowning is uh, a clown is always in a state of failure generally uh, and also in a state of discovery. Mm-hmm. So they're always looking for, uh, you know, they have a task generally to do, but then they're, they're, eliciting a response and then they react to that response. Mm -hmm. And normally they react to that response over and over again, because if they get a laugh, then they're going to try to get that laugh again. And if it doesn't happen, Oh my gosh, they failed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's truly remarkable when you start, if you, when you start to like get into uh, the science of clowning and then you look at an act and you're like, Oh, Oh wow. They're really good. They know what they're doing. It's, it's really fascinating, and I bring that into everything I do. Sure, okay. Um, so, yeah, I I mean, I grew up, and then I had, you know, musicals and plays in middle school and high school, and okay. uh, then I went to undergrad, and uh, actually, my four years that I was in Stevens Point uh, doing a BA in drama, uh, I worked at uh, American Folklore Theater in Door County, okay. and I was an intern and performer, and I... would have since worked for that company off and on for the last thirteen, fourteen years, and have done basically every job the companies has to offer. Okay. <laughs> right. okay. uh, but I got a lot of my education on the job um, versus in school, and then got to,
0: you know. Gosh. Gotcha back and forth with it so mount mount horeb i mean Mm -hmm. from a from a standpoint of theater and the performing arts um i wouldn't necessarily associate the two but then again Mm -hmm. i don't know a ton about mount horeb but it's fascinating actually mount horeb has a
1: wonderful music department Mm. um throughout throughout the years they've uh very much had uh a focus on on drama uh, as an extracurricular but there have been uh the folks that started American folklore theater are actually from Mount Horeb as well. Oh, okay. So there's a long line of, uh, of successful actors and, and theater practitioners that have come out of, out of that small little town. Interesting. Okay. You know, people always say there's something in the water. Um, but I think it's honestly just the nurturing quality of the, the community and, there was uh I, I worked like many of my predecessors worked for the Cave of the Mounds, okay, uh,
0: yeah.
1: a yeah. national natural landmark. Yes, I I've, yes, <laughs> I've yes. been there. Yep, yeah. and uh, so yeah. I was a tour guide, and my dad was a tour guide. I had my my grandma was a tour guide. My aunts and un- I had aunts and uncles and cousins, and um, basically anybody who was into theater had had a job at at some point or another at the cave. So that was like. You know, you either worked at the grocery store or you worked at the Game of the Mounds. So that okay. was always really fun. Interesting. Okay. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So now is that because of, um, of the, the playoffs in Door County, is that w- how you get influenced to go to Stevens Point? Um, no, I, I did not audition for a lot of schools, actually. I
1: only auditioned for DePaul and Stevens Point (laughs) of of all places. I don't know why that was, those were my choices. I went, I'm going to go big in Chicago or I'm going to go state school. And I, I researched a lot of the programs and Stevens Point had, um, at that point, and I think still does have one of the best theater programs in the state. Um, and I didn't get into the program right away. Uh, and I, auditioned a couple of times, but they gave me BA status to, um, get access to classes. And I kind of, which has been my career essentially, but I've sort of worked around not just being an actor, but I also did costume design and construction and I did, uh, stage combat and movement and voice and a lot of technical areas of acting. Mm -hmm. Um, and wasn't on stage a lot, but I was I was learning my craft and sort of becoming a jack of all trades, okay. which uh, has helped me immensely in my career because I'm I'm much more marketable that way. Sure, sure. You know,
0: now is that in, when you're in between um, shows and working for different um, theater companies, is mm-hmm. is that part of what you end up doing to generate some revenue?
1: Yes. Well, not <laughs> not so much anymore. I'm I have the lucky fortune of of being pretty steadily employed right now as an actor over okay. the last couple of years since grad school. and uh, But in in past years, I have taught stage combat workshops. Uh, I've uh, done costuming work for companies. I've stage managed and assistant stage managed and um, done all manner of things, theater, just, okay. just to be in the theater sure. and you know work with those people
0: well the, and the reason why i asked that is is my daughter started um getting involved with theater when she was eight. Oh, great yeah, so and it, and for her it was musicals so uh-huh. and it was a it was a, mostly the, the singing and then later the dancing and then the acting of course became part mm-hmm. of it and so as you can just imagine you know that's you know every time it was a Christian Youth Theater was the it was the organization that she was involved with initially and then she was involved with a couple different theater companies including um, Rock Valley's um, Starlight Theater great great yeah and um and so then watching a lot of talented individuals throughout those years not only in the chicagoland area um she did a show for um green line production does that sound right okay green, yeah. room, green room productions green room. Okay. green room productions and so so an opportunity to see not only in the rockford area but then also in the chicago um chicago Land area um but there's always these dreams, right? And mm-hmm. Of going to because it was mostly musicals, and, right. and it was you know going to Broadway or going you know to wherever. And in and I know for me as as a professional you know social worker, um, there was this element of but we got to have more in the tool toolkit. Oh just yeah, one definitely. Thing. And that's why I was curious as someone who makes um, his career is. In the theater, mm-hmm. okay, there, there's more than one way for you to be involved, but you're always learning as an actor.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, there's every show I do, every new person I work with has something else to bring to the table, and I'm constantly going, oh yeah." I mean, you you talk about there's the cliche of um, all actors steal. F- from better actor, you know, sure, or yeah. you know, whatever the cliche is. Yeah, nothing's original, right? right. Nothing's <laughs> right. original, and you're you're always stealing from the best. And and I think that's totally true. Yeah. I'm um there's there's things in shows that I've done that I've seen before where I go, oh no, I really like that bit. Actually, really works mm-hmm. really well, and I know why that works. And something that I think doesn't work, I would maybe look at and I go, oh no, they act- I and work it out to see what actually works on stage versus not. And sometimes somebody hits gold and you're like, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep that because that Mm -hmm. works really well for this line or bit or show or, um, but yeah, being, being a, a well-rounded actor and by well-rounded actor, that's not just voice movement dance, but knowing what's going on with lighting and knowing what's going on with sound and, all you know the stage hand from the stage hands to the janitors to the you know the designers. You you know you you don't go into a job without knowing a cook a professional chef doesn't go in without knowing how to bust tables and you know all all of the things in between. Sure, because then you don't have an appreciation for it, right? right? Um, and you know, as a as a as a child, I. Many times thought about theater, and people would always be like, "Oh, well, isn't isn't Broadway the dream? don't you want to be on Broadway? Oh, you're gonna be on Broadway someday." <laughs> sure. And and I and I learned very early on that I was like, "No, that I don't think that's what I want," because I don't want to. I wasn't necessarily wanting to be a Broadway musical actor, which is sort of what every, everyone has in their brain mm-hmm. as a picture of what an actor in in New York is. Is there they're in chorus line on Broadway or they're mm-hmm. in wicked or, you know, whatever. Um, there are shows on Broadway now that I go, oh no, I would actually be really good for that show. Mm-hmm. But I, it's, it's on an individual basis, mm-hmm. you know, um, shows like spelling bee that mm-hmm. are very character driven and yeah, they have, they have great voices and, but, and there's, there's some choreography and dancing, but it's really ab- about what that character is going through. And I, I being a character actor um, as a trope, I guess you could call it, but uh, I'm all about the relationship between characters on stage and especially the audience is always a character, whether or not, um, as we discussed before, you're breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's always, it's always interesting to me when when kids are growing up, doing theater which is i think an essential thing in their education because it is in many ways like sports it's team building it's ensemble building you're learning how to fail constantly um i mean clowning is like that but also theater improv you're always doing something that maybe doesn't work right away and then you figure it out you know Mm -hmm. that's how you learn right um you know you're learning. Uh, to be in front of people and how to talk to people. Uh, you're learning how to respect a a lot of parts of your job because you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, partially, that's for safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff in theater where you're like, okay, I don't touch this because this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, whenever whenever someone says they're just an actor or you you hear of someone who you think is just an actor they're generally not yeah. you know they have to do a lot of stuff yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well and I think I think you make a great point and um, I was talking with Richard Jester, the director mm-hmm. and I was telling him a little bit about um, uh, in the last couple of years for the suicide prevention uh, shed our silence that I, mm-hmm. that I started four years ago in the last two years to, to looking for um, not just education and awareness but also looking for Um, platforms for solutions and and so the last two years our focus has been how to use the arts as well as athletics to be platforms for transformation for developing resiliency and and everything you just talked about this idea of yes we're gonna where you're at from from well even trying out for, Mm -hmm. for a part and and making or not making it but even from that standpoint to the last show of that particular run There's so much So much development Oh yeah And no matter Who you think you are And it's different Every time Every time Yeah Because it's Different people mm-hmm. And 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 let alone The show is different Because there's The audience is different And it's just A different day And there's so many Variables that play into there's, it There's a great uh, game, Theater game
1: Improv game Or exercise That uh, I can't even remember When I did it might have been in grad school it might have been something randomly somewhere else but it was we had to dance we had to like dance in a circle and we followed one the person ahead of us so we we had to dance like one person in the group and copy their movements exactly and you you think oh that that should be easy but to actually copy someone's movements who is a completely different person who moves completely different, who holds their weight differently, who's different sizes and, you know, is is really eye-opening in terms of like, oh, that person has a completely different perspective on what it is and how it is to move, yeah. you know? And same with voice. You know, there's a lot of techniques out there that, you know, there's, there's the standard, you know, let's... Let's work on your voice, but where does your voice go? How? What are the extremes, and how far do you go before it doesn't sound good? And you have to go to those places. You know, everybody wants to sound good, right? right, right. And everybody wants, uh, everybody wants to not, you know, look cool. There, mm-hmm. There's always the I, I want to look good, and I want, you know, you go to a dance call, and most of the time, people just want to see you. Mm-hmm. And how you move and how you sing and how then they have to think of, OK, does that fit into my my vision of the show as okay. the as the casting director yeah. of the director? And, um, you know, so that's that's always that's always in the back of my mind as an actor when I audition for things is I need to show me, right. you know, and if I don't fit into their vision of the show, then that's okay. Yeah. You know, people freak out about, I'm never going to work again. Or, you know, you hear a lot of actors, um, that just, they don't, they don't think about all the other stuff that goes along with it. And, you know, I mean, just to get into the room is, is huge. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the biggest struggle for us is to actually get an audition. Cause a lot of times it's really hard mm-hmm. to just get in the room. Once you're in the room, then they see you, if you don't if you're not what they're looking for at that particular moment, then that's on that's on them. That's not on you. Right. Right? People always go, Oh, I sucked or oh I you know, I screwed up that song or I you know, I missed that step in the dance call and they you know, they hate me and it's like, No, they don't <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta work really hard to for them to not like you. Sure. I yeah. mean, and people go, Oh no, but you you don't even know. I'm so awkward, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm sure they are too." <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. Everybody has that. You know? Well,
0: you know, and I think having gone through, I don't even know for sure how many musicals my daughter's been. Forty plus, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the, you know she's only twenty-one. So there's, but I think that watching her. Develop and mature over time and watching her, you know, like, like anybody, she'd go in and want, you know, could envision herself wanting a particular part, but there's so many, so many variables, right. That, that, that end up being, um, uh, you know, she, the director only has so many so many actors and actresses right. to work with, right? right? So, so then, how you know, it's just because you may have been perfect for that part doesn't necessarily mean somebody else can do the other ones, or that you're perfect for that part in their
1: vision of yeah. the show, yeah. and how you know, because a lot of times it's uh, directors will cast based on just size, like comedic size, like yeah. if they have a tall, skinny person and a short, you know, larger person. That's 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 classic comedy, like juxtaposition, yeah. you know. Um, or if you have this person is taller and this person's shorter, this person, you know, has red hair, and this, you know, they go, "Oh, I no, I like that look with this look," and yeah. and then you know, rounding out the cast, they're they're trying to they're trying to create a picture right. as well. Um, I just did uh, the pajama game uh, in in Indiana. And I had auditioned for a different part. And then uh, then they offered me a different role. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I went in specifically going, I want this part. I, I would like to audition for this part. And they were like, okay. And they saw me because they know me and I've done shows with them before. But then when it came time to cast, it was like, no, they had somebody already for that part, which is great. He was wonderful and we're very good friends um you know that's that's always the other thing <laughs> is, you know you, you see one of your friends get a part that you wanted or you know that there's that especially when you're a younger actor you're going nah, i could have done that better <laughs> you know and you have that those like little bitter thoughts in your brain and it, it goes away True. it goes away as you get older cuz you, you know there's no reason right. there's no reason to to feel that way yeah. cuz you have different attributes that they want in a certain place. Right.
0: And working through that as you're doing the practices, because by the time the show goes, yeah, um, it's, if you're if oh you're of course doing your part great you're not gonna you're still gonna stand out on stage you're right. still gonna you know it's it's all about doing that piece right and, <laughs> and how it plays into how it how it plays into the bigger picture so yeah uh, so uh, I, I think when i was lo- doing a little bit of research you did your master's in scotland that's what i thought yes okay, yes so, so how no, steven's point to scotland well they're both s but I yes mean, that's, right. one, <laughs> that's about it.
1: the only thing they have in common <laughs> uh <laughs> I, uh, after I did my grad school or after I did my undergrad, um, four years, I took an extra semester and I went over to England okay. and I did an internship at the Rose Theater in Kingston, just Southwest of, uh, London. And, um, when I came back, I did, I, my group of friends from college, from undergrad had started, um, we had done some sketch comedy stuff and they were in New York and, um, my buddy Jake Uh, wanted to start, got in with this company, uh, this Living History Museum in Massachusetts, in Plymouth, Mm -hmm. uh, the Plymouth Plantation. And we started um, an all-male Shakespeare troupe. And so we did that for a summer. And then that continued without us, basically, for the next five or six years, um, which was our goal in the first place, was to set up this thing that could keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had just always been I kept thinking about my time in London and I went up to Edinburgh for a weekend and I was like, Ooh, Scotland's cool. I want to go back there at some point. It was one of my favorite places that I went. And, and when it came time, you know, after I'd been kind of back and forth between New York and Wisconsin and, uh, continuing to summer Mm -hmm. up in Door County and work and, um, Madison and doing, you know, everything that I could, uh, to do theater. I, I decided that I needed to go back to grad school because, you know, my, I was at the point where my educate, my theater education was at a, at a bar or it was at a, it was plateauing. And I was like, I could feel myself not evolving or getting better. And I needed some more education or at least a safe place to work on my stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, so when I went and looked at, uh, I researched. <laughs> After having only auditioned for two undergrads, I went the complete opposite and researched every grad program in, in the U.S. and the U.K. And my friend Amy uh, had gone to the Royal Conservatoire in Scotland about four or five years earlier than me, and she's, she highly recommended it. She had a great time. And she learned a lot and she said, Dan, I think this is a good program for you. I think it would be a good fit. And when I went into the audition, I mean, I did a lot of auditioning mm-hmm. for grad schools and that was the one that they worked with you and uh, the head of the program, Mark, was there in, in New York when I when I went to audition and they had alumni there and they, they talked to you about, um, you know, this is what the school is about and... You know what are you wanting to get you know and they they were asking the right questions mm-hmm. and i was like oh no i want to work with these people mm-hmm. this these are the people that, that are gonna you know help further my education um this is a nurturing mm-hmm. you know ensemble building thing mm-hmm. which was i was all about that new works uh classical works you know um clowning and you know all this stuff and they had all these little it was very workshop based very practical Mm. and it was only a one year it was a full year Mm. program so I wasn't out of the system in the U.S. for more than a year which is always a big deal you know you leave a city that you've started to get ingrained in which I didn't really have at that point I was sort of a vagabond anyway and you know the most home theatrical home or creative home I had was Door County Mm -hmm. but Door County will always be there and I love going back there and I, whenever I can get a job there, I take it Mm -hmm. because it's great. Um, You know, it is, it does feel like home to me. Um, But then going to grad school was, I needed to work on my vulnerability and I wanted to work on, you know, I, everyone has their shtick as an actor and I could feel myself falling back on my shtick way too easily and my own instincts and, that, you know, you, you see a lot of actors that they, oh, they kind of all, they, he does the same thing in every show mm-hmm. and it's because that's, that's your, that's your go-to of, okay, I can do this because it's easy or I'm good at this and I wanted to go to grad school to go, okay, that's a tool. I have my go-tos, but I want to be able to choose to use them mm-hmm. when I really need to and not just rely on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so that was that was eye opening. It was a, I mean, it was it was a hard course. It was a lot. We did a lot, um, but now there's, you know, now that I'm back and I'm I sort of set up a shop in Chicago, uh, it's really I'm still learning things and understanding things that I learned in school. That I went, oh, that's what that
0: is. Okay, okay, okay. You know, <laughs> you were just talking about that you. <clears throat> you were aware of that you had to work on your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you, what do you mean by that? Um, to
1: be vulnerable on stage is truly one of the hardest things to be truly vulnerable on stage. And you see it in actors that are really honest. When you, when you see an, an honest actor, right? When someone describes an actor as, as an honest actor that it's, that they're showing you their true self they're sh- they're they're showing you their true feelings in the moment and you know we as humans it's natural for us to not be vulnerable you know to not show our vulnerability and that doesn't mean that doesn't just mean crying on stage you know people can cry on stage like nobody's business um <laughs> anybody can cry on stage but it's the act of Truly getting to a place where you are in the moment and you're, and you're trying to fight that vulnerability, but you have to be able to get there to fight it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, and that's something that I'm, I'm going to continue to work on. You know, I, I certainly just didn't learn vulnerability in a year. That would be ridiculous. True. Right. Um, but it set me on the path. Mm-hmm. On the journey, as it were. (laughs) Uh, Very good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And I, you know, every show that I do, I'm I'm looking to increase that that knowledge of vulnerability, and I think a show like Every Brilliant Thing, especially, really helps with that because just because of the nature of the material, but also because of the nature of the show and it being a one-person show. And I've done one-person shows before, and I've done shows where I've had to direct address the audience mm-hmm. and and really, sh- you know, share my heart on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, every little, every show, every little character or or. You know, sometimes it's just a line or a look, you know, it's a stage direction. That's like, that's the hardest part of the show right there. That little, you know, blip. Mm -hmm. And, and if I can, if I can work that, if I can get that to a place that I'm comfortable with and then go further, then I'm doing my job, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, yesterday um, Mm -hmm. I had an
0: opportunity to, um, now, that was your. Was that your first practice in front of an audience yesterday?
1: Yes, that was a. That was a, yeah.
0: I, we're only a week and a couple of days in. So, <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> so um, the the upcoming play at uh, Artisan Ensemble at the Cheek Theater at Rockford University is going to be Every Brilliant Thing, and mm-hmm. um, and as I was getting prepared for yesterday, you know, I did a little bit of research, and mm-hmm. so I so I knew some things about it. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what what the what the place about what the what the show's about and what the messages uh, well it's it's a one
1: person show and uh it's about this character which it states in the sh- in in the script it can be played by a person of any gender of any race of any really any age as long as you're sort of over you know your mid to late 20s mm-hmm. um and it's about this person for me a boy that uh basically when they're 7 their mother is is depressed and they start to help their mom uh, as a 7 year old by creating this list of every brilliant thing in the world and you know as a 7 year old they start simple ice cream roller coasters the color yellow uh and then they they increasingly get more specific as he goes through life, and he keeps um, he keeps revisiting the list and forgetting about it, and then rediscovering it, and it, how the list helps him um, throughout his life. And it's really you know it's it's hard to describe this show and market this show because it's not a show about depression or suicide. It deals with those those issues, I think, in a very intelligent and clever way. Um, but it's it's really more about hope and the human condition, mm-hmm. and how how we can help each other, and how one person can help themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's extremely funny. It's one of the funniest plays I think I've ever gotten to do. You know, there's. There's a lot of clowning I get to do and just um, and not like red nose clowning, but like I get to I'm talking to the audience Mm -hmm. the whole show. It's just me and the audience. That's the other player. And there is a a bit of audience participation, uh, but it's the easiest thing in the world, really. I You know, I set everyone up for success. And that's something that is really hard to get into people's brains because they don't like audience participation. They hear anything about that and they go, "Oh no, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that." And uh, within the first minute of the show opening, I I can feel the audience relax and mm-hmm. go, "Oh, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Okay, this I can do this. Yeah. This is great. No, I want to do." It. And then you feel them want to be part of the story as as you keep going. You know, as I keep going, people want they want to shout out their items. People get items of the list and, you know, whatever number is called out throughout the show, then they they read off what's on their little slip. Um and it's great. It it's so great to see the audience like lean into it and, you know, they this story is so compelling. Uh, this this person's life um is really interesting and and it is it's everyone's story. There's there's something in this story that everyone has dealt with, you know. We all have loved ones, or are, we ourselves have dealt with depression, and it's how we deal with
0: that, and how we get better, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I was I I, I agree with you. It, one, it it was, it, it does a great job of bringing the humanity. Into mm-hmm. um, the the topic of depression or mental illness as a whole, and someone being suicidal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, in this particular case, um, his mom is suicidal, mm-hmm. and 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 that is his whole desire, right? Right. Is to have her see another side, right? Of, of if you could just see that ice cream is so great, if you right. could just see and go <laughs> on a roller coaster with me, which is so sweet and endearing as
1: as a seven year old, like that's you know, and that, that's, that's one of my favorite things about the show is that you see his perspective, you know, his, his drive stays the same. And in many cases gets, gets bigger and bigger, Mm -hmm. um, and better. But the, the idea of the list, you know, gets more specific and, You know, all these things that are really, truly brilliant. I mean, there's stuff in there. Like, the audience is always like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing, you know, how people can connect with the show. Yeah. Well, it was
0: funny because I know, like... uh the the two you know the two lines that I had right mm-hmm. and the one was ice cream right? mm-hmm. and then the other one was apple cider donuts Yep. and fresh um, apple yeah, fresh, cider donuts yes and I knew yeah. that if my wife was with me um, or my kids for that uh-huh. matter it was like okay Edwards apple orchard yes fresh right <laughs> you
1: know? and that was that was actually one that we changed okay uh, there's a a few bits in there because it's a it's a British play it was a British playwright duncan mcmillan and he uh worked with this comedian johnny donahoe uh to help develop the show and so they came up with all these brilliant things but there were there were things in there like uh aromatic duck pancakes with hoisin sauce which in america is you know that i mean that's a very specific brilliant thing for that person but i was like no we you know we we talked about um, specific things to make them a little more regional and, okay. and you know, I was like, oh, what about like, I don't know, apple cider donuts and, and Richard immediately was like, oh yeah, no, Ed's Orchard, yeah, 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 no, that's, that, everyone will know everyone, in Rockford exactly. and they will, they will be, salivating for those fresh apple cider donuts and I was like
0: well great then we're using that Yep. yep. (laughs) you know and I think that that element of it you know as you were just talking I'm thinking okay so people have a, a natural resistance because they want to be a spectator right right except there's restaurants right that their whole shtick I don't even know if they if their food's any good but their whole shtick is about interacting with their audience and sometimes it's it's not always in a kind way. Right. But there's always like lines to get into these places. Uh-huh. And there's something about that element that we say that we don't want to do it or we have a resistance to it. Maybe it's that vulnerability that you were talking right. about. But we also want want to. And um and go go ahead. No, no,
1: it's yeah, I'm I'm thinking about what you're saying and it it, it is it's that <laughs> it's that pull to do something adventurous even if you if you know that that might cause failure mm-hmm. in some way you know uh, audience participation i mean even i you know sometimes go ooh audience participation and i'm i'm an actor and i'm really good in those situations and i'm in many ways like for the performer or the person that is dealing you know and giving out this audience participation Like I always, I always pride myself as being a very good customer because I try to connect with my server and, you know, my friends always make fun of me because I'm like, whenever I order, I'm like, and I would like the, you know, and I'm like articulating (laughs) everything so they hear everything and, you know, I try to learn their name and, you know, just be, just be a human, you know, I just want to be a human with people. And sometimes I come off a bit alien, <laughs> uh, which is funny to me and yeah. definitely
0: my friends. <laughs> and probably makes a lot of the waitstaff uh, make it more enjoyable.
1: Oh, of course. I mean, and I mean, I've had food service jobs my my entire theater exit my career mm-hmm. um, because you know, as an actor, I don't, I didn't get in for you know for the money and mm-hmm. and I. I still don't believe that. I I I want to tell stories. I'm a mm-hmm. storyteller and I'm a theater maker. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just an actor. I want to I I believe in the entertainment industry as as a tool for society True. and and as an education tool and you know, I have umpteen stories about you know, audience members connecting with me after the show. Mm-hmm. You know, about something that they, something that was in the show or something I did that, or or just the show in general, that it made them laugh and they hadn't laughed in a long time because of so-and-so and, you know, whatever situation that they're in. And they just, you know, you hear, you, you see and hear the thankfulness. And that's why, that's like, when I have those stories, I go, that's why I did theater. This is why I want to do it. I like that. That's my favorite. Yeah. Uh So, so to have, you know, have a show that is so, so specifically geared towards the audience Mm -hmm. and having them be a part of this conversation, uh, I'm, I'm just so passionate about this piece and what
0: it, what it represents for theater because it is an experience. Yeah. Well, I, and very much that's what I walked away with last night, you know, so, so a big part of what I've been attempting to do for the last, you know, 20 plus years mm-hmm. is, is break the stigma around mental illness, mm-hmm. and break the stigma around counseling. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I remember early on when I first opened up KP counseling, it was like, so how am I going to tell people about this? Like right. you know, and, and not be cheesy and not be weird and you know, right. like you know, you can, got counseling. I mean, I well, how know. do you like I how know. do I do you know? And um and I remember when I first started doing it is that I would just and that's kind of how this all came back again doing the podcast, was that I would just do inspirational reflections and just write little short stories. I guess they would be called blogs now, mm-hmm. and just on something that I was reflecting on. Mm-hmm. And I would send that out with the client statements. Um and so you know, if they were getting their statements then I also gave him a story that w- went along with it, but the but the idea was how to just see um, have hope in this in this possibility. Right. And when yesterday, um, watching you know watching um, the performance, watching the play, and watching the interaction, there was just this space that was created about something that was real, utilizing um, humor, and mm-hmm. utilizing just just the the. I keep on saying the humanity of it. And um, there's just little parts that are constantly there and fluctuating between using humor as well as the seriousness of, um, like there's one part in there we're talking about the seriousness of the the contagious factor of suicide. Yes. And so there's that element that is also... Um, teaching opportunities and mm-hmm. raising awareness from that end of it, but then also how to navigate through. Yeah,
1: and that and that specific, I, it, it's such a well-written show, and that specific place that you're talking about uh, has, you know, you're with this person the entire, you know, you're you're so you want them to succeed, you know, and you're you're hearing these characters and. In the show that he's dealing with, you know, his mom and his dad and, you know, his school counselor and like his professor and, you know, and you so you're you're already identifying with his journey um, because there's only one performer. So, you know, he's the one connecting with you Um, and you see him discover these facts about suicide and about depression. And there's a lot of moments in the show where I, I do go into sort of the science of like, this is what happens when something bad happens. Mm -hmm. You know, your body can feel it before your brain can know what's happening because the, the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline flood your system. And that's, I mean, that's a very scientific way of thinking, okay. And so here's this kid thinking about what is, what is the science behind? Why am I feeling this way? Because he's trying to find answers Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that specific section he discovers after being in a class that, you know, suicide is is this contagious thing, which scares him at first and then it makes him angry because he's thinking about all the different ways that suicide is presented in, yeah. in media and in film and television and um and it, it, the guidelines that he finds, the Samaritans, um, this British group, I mean, they've presented these guidelines, which I, I read them, the first time I read them, I went, ooh, wow, yep, that doesn't happen very often, or, you mm-hmm. know, we still use the word commit, yeah. and I, I use the word, you know, commit when I talk about suicide, and I go, oh, no, I that, I shouldn't use that, that's, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, that's not a good term, yeah. and people always say, uh, you know, the idea that suicide is successful, mm-hmm. the act of, is is also a, you know a thing that we really need to cut out of our vocabulary, yeah. um, you know. So it's the those 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 pieces of information which are discovered by the character are also then discovered by the audience, and and then you know the reaction of that and the the visceral you know heartfelt reaction of the character is also felt by the audience and they, they can form their own opinions about it, Mm -hmm. but it's also, you know, this is, these are the stigmas around Mm -hmm. a mental illness and, and we just need to talk about them. And this show provides that space, I think. And it is, it is so important because by the end of the show, I mean, we have created this really amazing, comfortable, space a safe space and i have a talk back after every show Mm -hmm. because the audience generally needs it yeah and and i am happy to listen i am so happy to listen and and i think sometimes people just don't know how to go about like like you said it's as hard as it is for you to advertise counseling it's just as hard for people who need it and even if they know they need it, they don't know how to get it, mm-hmm. you know, or they don't know, like, how to go. Like, do I just walk up to a place and say, I need counseling? Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's vulnerability, yeah. right? And yeah. that's one of the hardest things to do is, like, admit that you have a problem yeah. or th- admit that not even a problem, but that you that you need help. Yeah. Something yeah. is different, and I need to talk about it with yeah. someone. And even the the idea that I need to talk about this is a step yeah.
0: right well especially because usually at this point right mm-hmm. we're not talking about this right whatever and now I got to go and talk to someone I don't know right about something that I've been adamant about not talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's so it's so counterintuitive right you know because of that because of that concept of vulnerability you know is I don't want to be vulnerable about a wound. I don't want to be vulnerable of about course. something that I'm ashamed of, embarrassed of, or whatever, because if I wasn't ashamed or embarrassed about it, I would be talking about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's just so counterintuitive. You know, one of the things that I, as I mentioned earlier, that I talk, you know, I started the suicide prevention program as a result of my son having three of his classmates die from suicide um, in his right. graduating class. And, um, and we knew, or I believed and still believe that you know, part of it is talking about it, right? And in the silence around it was mm-hmm. was part of the problem. And then there was still, at least at that time, there was still a lot of pushback from schools and specifically universities. Um, uh, like like if a football, if an athlete died. Uh-huh. Um, you know there was concerns about that if we if we make any kind of uh, do any talking about it then we're going to insight uh, more it, and, yeah and there'll and be pe- copycats the kit, right now the research shows that that's not true right and it, though that that actually being silent around it and 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 acting as if it didn't happen right. is worse yeah because um, you're making it a
1: punishment or you're making you know and people are already you know feel they don't, a lot of people feel like they don't deserve a certain level of comfort or love or you know and that's that that kind of goes along with mental illness and it's not true right. you know
0: this feeling of like in the in the like in the play mm-hmm. the mother doesn't believe anyone really gets it and right. really understands right because she is caught in her whole trap and yes. and then because of the dad's response to it mm-hmm. it it it, it it perpetuates that. Right? right. And I think that's, you know, part of what I've seen many, many times. And very similar to to this to this play, is that when I go into a talk, regardless if it's middle school or high school or colleges, inevitably there's always gonna be, you know, a, a percentage of the 300, 500, 200, you know, come up to me afterwards. Uh-huh. And I'll get feedback that someone talked to someone afterwards. Because we know, right. at least with that, those populations, they're more likely to go and talk with each other uh-huh. before they go to a professional. Right. And, um, and how to help the... The young person and so i'm i'm very encouraged by this particular performance um it, it fits with everything that you know that we've been trying to do here great um so it, it's absolutely perfect um so it's uh the name of the show is every brilliant thing mm-hmm. and the performances are december 5th through the 15th at uh, cheek theater yep um thursday through University. sunday two shows on saturday yeah so i'm uh uh, really hoping that everyone is takes the takes the opportunity. Um, and I think and again just to stress again, you know, that you know, yes, we're getting ready for the holiday season, getting ready for Christmas and mm. this. And this by no means is a downer of, of oh, a it's show. It's so funny. Yeah. It's such
1: a fun show. It it you know, it's that's why it's so hard to like market the show is because you know, it has these hard issues and elements in it. But that's what makes it so beautiful, and it is so fun. And the audience is together the entire time, and you know, and not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty funny guy.
0: You're a pretty funny guy. (laughs) Well, and that was so funny. It was so. it's, It's so like yesterday when we were going through it. I. I didn't know if you had started yet or if you, you know, were, you know, were still trying to warm us up to what was, you know, explain to what was going on. And I think that's one of the the beautiful things about this particular show, Mm -hmm. um, that for the people that choose to go, it'll be an experience. And, um, it'll be 1 million and one of things you could put down as another brilliant thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, and, I know for me, because um, I think I'm, I'm signed up to see it a couple times. Great. I know that um, it, it'll it'll be, each time is going to be different. And um, Every show is different. Yeah, it's just Every the nature of, yeah. of live theater anyways. But there's something so much different about live theater than, um, I love film mm-hmm. and I love movies. And I, I do I, too. But um, there's something different about- um, being, being in a room all, with humans. Yep. And experiencing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely, you know, it's great yeah so uh, Dan thank you very much for being here of course so if there is one thing that you would want anyone who may be listening um, regarding um, your own journey regarding the journey of being an actor and a performer or about this particular show any of that what would be one thing that ooh right, maybe two ooh okay (laughs) well I would say
1: (laughs) along with the show things get better every everything you do in life Adds to what you're going to do and it always gets better the universe provides I, I truly believe that and when when i you know i i try to listen to that instinct of oh, i didn't get this job or i didn't you know i couldn't meet up with this friend and you know what i'm gonna just do this or I, i'm gonna go about my day and usually something magical happens because mm-hmm. it's like oh I would never have met this friend on the street had I gone to this thing or had I, you know, and then I reconnected with someone. Um, that happens all the time with me. And it's because I'm constantly going, okay, the universe wants me to do this, mm-hmm. you know? And that's that's my version of faith, mm-hmm. is having faith in, you know, just life, the life experience of humans and how we just have to say yes and and know that, that our journey is, is going to continue and it's going to be really interesting
0: and be open to that. Yeah. You know, it's, it, we talked about this topic of depression and have mindsets about uh, uh, that darkness mm-hmm. of, of suicide. And I think that is essence of what the character, the seven-year-old, is trying to say mm-hmm. um, about making this list about brilliant things mm-hmm. is being open um, to those things and if you are open to those things and allow you to resist the darkness and to experience those things, more and more light is going to shine.
1: Right. And knowing that also the darkness is part of you and and it's okay. People feel these things all the time, but we have to accept
0: them and to be open to everything else yeah, yeah you know yeah the that darkness is part of it it doesn't have to, we don't have to shame the darkness or right sh- shame that part of us about the darkness right um but we also don't have to en- become engulfed by it either of course of so, course dan thank you very much for You're being so here welcome. and uh, i've this was thoroughly great. enjoyed this and great and looking forward to working with you in the next couple weeks awesome so um thank you very much for being with us today and um Without a doubt, um, if you get an opportunity for Every Brilliant Thing um, on December 5th through the 15th, take that opportunity, um, go to Artist Ensemble, and um, look that look up um, when the times and the dates are for that and the ticket prices and order your tickets. Uh, give yourself and a loved one a gift for this particular Christmas season by going to the show. And I uh, look forward to being with you next week.